Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today I welcome back State Representative Rick Williams. Representative Williams joins us by phone today to provide his thoughts and impressions on the 2017 session of the Georgia General Assembly. Representative Rick Williams, welcome back to Milledgeville Matters. Thank you, Daniel. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and uh, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming in and talking with us today. I know it's possible that the Georgia legislature is the last thing you want to be thinking about now that the 40-day session is over, but I appreciate you just updating our audience on what went on in Atlanta this year and your impressions of it. Well, I just wanted to start off um, our conversation in, in the most broadest sense and ask you, what was your impression of the overall tenor of the 2017 session? Well, Daniel, it was a very exciting time, and it was certainly an exciting time in my life, and I appreciate the opportunity to serve the citizens of District 145. Uh, there's always a lot going on in the Capitol, and uh, it's quite an experience, and it's a very humbling experience to sit at the desk where decisions have been made, history has been made in the past and is going to in the future. And... Uh, to be a part of that process is just an awesome experience. And uh, I thank the citizens of uh, District 145 for the opportunity to serve you. And in your opinion, what was the most important issue or issues that uh, were given consideration this year? Daniel, there was a number of bills that we looked at, that we uh, had committee hearings on, that were debated in committee or on the floor. And being in the middle of the biennial, there was a number of bills that passed through the House that went over to the Senate and for some reason were held up and didn't come back through on sine die. So um, some of those bills, a couple of them was the adoption bill and the surprise medical billing bill. The uh, adoption bill in Georgia, it takes about almost three years to go through the adoption process. And some of the representatives have worked on this bill for several years trying to get it streamlined and up to par with states around us that have a less complicated adoption bill. This is a very emotional bill, and it passed the House overwhelmingly. There was 176 yay votes and no no votes. And we really wanted to see that through, and it didn't get to come back through, which we're hoping it will in this next session. This trims down the adoption time from about three years to about nine months, and it makes it less complicated for adoptions to take place, and we feel like this will be good for the children of Georgia. And right now we have a number of people going out of the state to do adoptions because the time factor is much quicker. There are a number of children here in this state that would need to be adopted, and we hope this can be accomplished. And if I remember correctly, when that made it over to the Senate, one of the hang-ups about that bill was that there was an amendment added in the Senate that would have banned or outlawed—let me see if I can remember this correctly— 
state funding for adoption agencies that would provide adoptions to same-sex, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender couples. And I guess some of your colleagues in the Senate did not find that amendment palatable, and that's uh, why it did not receive any kind of uh, vote in the Senate? I believe, I believe you're right. And it was very unfortunate that that was used as a political football, and that's not the time or the place for that to take place. I've had conversations with a number of senators since that session, and a number of them are going to be working as hard as we were to get that on out and to try to prevent it from becoming a political football that just does not need to have that tacked on, and it does not need to be interfered with at all. We just want to get that on through. I just wanted to just make sure I was understanding that uh, that correctly. And um, and you had another issue that uh, you wanted to bring up in this part while I was asking you about your important issues. And had you finished with your comments on that one, or um, uh, was there anything well, else you'd like to say there? Yeah, the surprise medical billing. I know probably a lot of us have gone to the hospital for a procedure, and then three months, six months later, you receive a bill for someone who is not in the regular rotation of physicians or physician service there at the hospital. So you receive a surprise bill that you were not aware of. And so that was debated and a number of hearings was held on that. And that went back before the insurance committee. And I feel like that one will come back up this next session. One thing that I am proud of is House Bill 146 that the governor signed requires fire departments to purchase and maintain insurance coverage for firefighters. They become exposed to a lot of different elements, and a lot of them are cancer-causing, and this does require the uh, cancer uh, policies be in effect and requires that they be covered under that hospitalization. Hearing aid coverage for children, this law went into effect. This bill was signed by the governor. It requires that the insurance companies in Georgia provide a hearing aid for the children up to age 18. Coverage is limited to $3,000 per hearing aid and must include the replacement of one hearing aid per hearing impaired ear every 48 months. There's a lot of children that need this kind of help and coverage, and we're glad to see this take place. Another one that was very important was the hospital bill. This hospital bill changed the tax deductions of donations made to hospitals from 70% up to 90%. So it actually gave a 90% tax deduction on the money that someone donates to a hospital. Also, the population changed from 35,000 to 50,000. So this now puts Oconee Regional Medical Center into that category also where in the, uh, according to the legislation that had been passed in the previous term, it would have covered Putnam General Hospital because of the population, but Oconee Regional didn't qualify. Now Oconee Regional does qualify. So we're hoping this will instigate people to step up and make contributions and donations and 
help our community and our hospital out. All right. And of course, um, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that it is, it's a biennial, meaning that the actual session, when you use that word in its most proper sense, it's two years. So legislation can begin one year and it has that two years to pass through both chambers of the, of the Georgia legislature. It's only after an election that things have to restart over and bills need to be reintroduced. Are there any issues, in addition to the ones that you mentioned, that are going to be a hot ticket item for next year or perhaps debates that just could not be finished or come to a good consensus on uh, and you're looking forward to in 2018? Well, there's, there's a number of them, and I don't have the list in front of me at this time, Daniel, but there's a number of legislative issues to do with veterans and, and veterans' care. Our law enforcement officials throughout the state, we want to work to make sure that they are all compensated. They live in a very dangerous time, and they're doing a very dangerous job. And we've got to make sure that all of our law enforcement officials are seen after and compensated and taken care of. One thing that did come up was the bill to prevent sanctuary campuses. This came up to prevent any college campuses from providing sanctuary to illegal aliens who are criminals. Also, there was the campus rape bill that did not pass. It will come back up this next session. And, and when you say campus of, wait, what does that mean? I'm not as familiar with that <clears throat> terminology. This was Representative Earl Earhart's bill on how colleges can handle investigations of allegations of sexual contact or rape or sexual harassment or anything on campus. And what it looks to do is require that these allegations of illegal activity is investigated by a proper law enforcement agency rather than some official at the college who might not be trained in investigative procedure and have the tools necessary to follow through with those investigations. There was a number of hearings held on that, and it was a number of people testified in favor of and against this so uh, it'll be back up early on in the next session, and I'm sure it'll be debated heavily and go through quite a number of committees. And of course, that's an issue of due process for those who have been accused of a crime. And I believe on the other side, we would probably say access to more avenues for reporting a crime that may happen <clears throat> of a sexual nature on a college campus. That's correct. And it would certainly afford the victim more protection, and we want to make sure that if someone is guilty of something that they are punished and everything's done through legal channels and especially for the victim themselves, we want to make sure that they're protected and their rights are also you know, are seen after and are not violated. So it's a tight rope, and we want to make sure that it's done correctly. Yes, and I know that's a very contentious matter on, on this campus as well. There are a number of opinions about it. And I just wonder, the university system of Georgia has come out with a comprehensive means of addressing this issue. Is there any 
consideration of, of different avenues to achieve the same goal, perhaps um, creating um, a higher level of training for university officials or university law enforcement when dealing with these? Because it looks like now the push is to push all of these into the uh, criminal investigation with local law enforcement. And, and of course, I know that many of the advocates for victims of sexual assault say that that is a, is a very harrowing experience for the victims of a sexual crime. You're right, and it's, it's very difficult to to come to a good conclusion without a number of hearings and weighing all options. But the main thing in the victims, the people who have had their rights violated and that they have been violated, that they are protected and that they're taken care of, and the people who are guilty of this is punished and within the limits of the law. And we want to make sure that the guilty does not go unpunished. We want to make sure that they are tried and go through the correct process. And we don't want somebody to fall through the cracks, the victim or the uh, alleged aggressor or the accused. So we want to make sure that everything is done correctly. There again, the local law enforcement, our police, our district attorney's office, our sheriff, the Georgia College um, and state universities, security people, they, they all do fantastic jobs and they're professional investigators. And I think that's probably who probably needs to do the investigating and that they're all fair and they all run good, good organizations. One of the other things that we have is there's a number of things that went in place for veterans. A lot of times when veterans are moved from one state to another state or transferred and the spouse may be a professional, whether it be a nurse, a school teacher, or some other licensed professional, in the past there had been a waiting time Sometimes it might be up to two years before they could be certified in Georgia and be able to get a job in their profession that they're trained in and had received their training in another state. A reciprocal law went into effect, and it shortens that time limit to where they could go to work almost immediately within maybe a matter of a couple of months that the veteran spouse could of showing their credentials and credentials from another state that they would be allowed to go ahead and seek employment and become gainfully employed and not put undue hardship on the veteran and their family. There's a number of things that have taken place. You mentioned the budget. The original budget was signed back in 2016 and the governor signed an amended budget, uh, I think it was in February of this year, during session that added about $66 million to the budget. And a good bit of that money went for just benefits for the state. I know that two new um, uh, forensic scientists are being hired at the GBI to cut down on the backlog of the rape kits that have been sent in and other test that sometimes it takes the GBI crime lab three to four or five months to get results. 
So we're hoping that this will shorten that time to be something more respectable. Also, in Georgia, we're getting a new cybersecurity facility being built in Fort Gordon, the only one of its kind in the country. And here at Georgia College, the governor had proposed a $2.5 million program for early education. And this was also in the amended budget, and it was passed and signed by the governor, along with about $2 million of renovations to Georgia Military College to work on their infrastructure. Also, there's another big item that's taking place is the governor is expected to sign any day the omnibus bill transferring about 2,100 acres over to Central State Hospital Redevelopment Commission. So they will gain actual title to this property and they can begin repurposing all of the property at Central State Hospital grounds. So that's a lot of potential there. So many things happening and it's happening so very, very fast. Well, I want to the, stop uh, you uh, with the local redevelopment authority down there in Central State. When you say it's deeding over that property to them, will they be able to um, more autonomously dispose of that land? And by dispose, I mean try to get it into the hands of private industry, uh, private business, or uh, private individuals. Is that what that means? Exactly. In the past, if a private or some other business, public business, wanted to purchase property or a building out there on the Central State Hospital grounds, it could take three years for the deal to go through, to go back through the hands of the state and the state properties commission. But what this does is cuts out all of those people. Now Central State Hospital Redevelopment uh, Commission can make the deal, uh, appraise the property, have the property sold, and the deal closed within probably 60 days. Uh, within two months, I'm sure the deals can be made and the deals can be closed. So this is going to make a big difference in how and how this land can be repurposed. There's a lot of houses out there. Some of them could be rehabitable with some renovations. And so there's a lot of very positive things right around the corner that are happening here in Milledgeville. The overall economy in the state of Georgia is growing. The movie industry has contributed over $9 billion to the Georgia economy last year. So uh, we're being called the Hollywood of the South. And more and more movies are being made here in Georgia. There is toured Metro Atlanta Studios, and they will be here in Milledgeville this summer making a movie here in Milledgeville. You know, there's a lot of things happening, so we're we're anxious to see what's going to be taking place in 2018. Well, and of course, Representative Williams, as we're talking today, um, just last night, the governor had signed into law the uh, campus carry bill to allow concealed carry permit holders to uh, have firearms on um specific areas of college campuses. Uh, This, of course, has been a great debate um, over the last two years. Uh, What are your feelings on um, seeing this bill come uh, to fruition? Well, this bill struck a nerve with a lot of people, and it was watered down. And so it's probably one of those compromise bills where 
the people who was for it didn't get everything they wanted, and the people who were against it didn't get everything they wanted, for sure. This um, this prohibits the carrying of a weapon in a lot of areas of the college, but you have to remember, this is for concealed carry, which you have to be 21 years of age. I did have one uh, teacher call me. They were concerned that this meant high school campuses. No, this is college, and you do have to be 21. You have to have a concealed carry permit to have this weapon. I do not believe that you're going to have people jumping up and saying, oh, boy, I can now carry a weapon on campus. I'm going to buy a weapon so I can carry it. I don't think that's going to take place. I think basically what you're going to have is the people who have been carrying before are now going to be legal. We actually had some college professors that have contacted me that uh, were concerned about the bill because they actually were concealed carriers. They have been concerned over their safety, their student safety, and they carried a concealed weapon. And now this is will less likely have them prosecuted for having this weapon. And I know the the things that I've read, the things on social media, the uh, comments uh, about alcohol and guns don't mix. Well, a lot of things don't mix, but those people that were going to do that were going to do it whether it was illegal or not. And it comes down to when we, you know, School zones are supposed to be drug-free. Well, we all know they're not. You can pick up the newspaper every day and read where arrests are made in the school zones with drugs, and it's dangerous. This is a dangerous time that we're living in, and it's becoming more dangerous every day. Salute the men and women of law enforcement, and it's just a dangerous time in our world. Uh, we all pray about it. We hope that our campus stays safe. We all want it to stay safe. But this is a concession that the governor made last year when the uh, bill made it to his desk. He had concessions that he wanted made, and those concessions were made, and that's why he went ahead and signed this bill this year. We, And I hope that nothing bad happens, and I hope, if anything, this will prevent bad things from happening. FBI statistics have shown that less people are wounded or shot when someone in the group has a weapon to defend themselves. So we've just got to hope and pray that our campuses are going to be safe so far I was have here in middle Georgia, and we hope it stays that way for all campuses. Well, in that sense, I mean, is this legislation as big a deal as the conversation has made it out to be? Um, of course, earlier in the conversation, you said you have to be 21 to um, now legally carry. And there are so many places where these firearms are not allowed. <laughs> Offices where um, student judiciary hearings are being held, administrative offices, places where high school students are present, um, such as your early college here on the Georgia College campus, sporting events, dormitories. 
Does this bill do so much as is thought in the conversation going on around it? No, I I actually don't think. I think people are uh, making it into more an emotional issue than it is. As the governor had explained one of his reasons on this bill, that a lot of our higher education campuses are not in safe zones. People actually have to go through a dangerous area to get to school or to get to campus. And there were people who were laying in wait for these students and they were actually taking advantage of them because they knew they were not carrying because it was illegal for them to carry. And I think it's just maybe an emotional issue that some people are overreacting. Of course, none of us want to pick up the paper and see where anything bad has happened. But in truth and in reality, it does. Anytime you have people gathered and no, and people know there's no one there armed, then this is what gives the terrorist or the people looking to do damage. This is what gives them the idea and the what they feel like they have the right to do because they know no one there is is armed and able to protect themselves. So we're we're hoping and in a perfect world we will pick up the paper tomorrow morning or turn on the radio and there won't be any crimes will have been committed. But that's not going to happen. There's going to be a shooting. There's going to be something take place. And we just don't know where we can stop it, Daniel. We've, we've got to keep working and searching for solutions. And hopefully we make the best decisions and go from there. There's so many issues that I do want to ask you about, but unfortunately, we are limited by our time constraints today, and so we're about out of time. Um, so at this point, um, as I often do um, when we have our conversations, I want you to um, use the next uh, minute or two to uh, talk to our audience about what issues you want to hear from them about, um, what issues you feel might be coming up in 2018, and you would like to hear the public weigh in on the conversation so you can go in and be um, more up-to-date with their opinions on, on the matters that may um, come in the next year. Yeah, Daniel, there's a number of things that are really going to be important this next year coming up. Number one is health care and the cost of health care. And it's going to be dependent upon what Congress does and what the president does. And so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Also, our transportation issues. Hopefully, the Fall Line Freeway will be completed between Columbus and Augusta and should be nearing completion at the end of the year. The widening of 441 going north out of Eatonton, that widening is supposed to be taking place. More money is being spent on highways. But again, we come back to education and for jobs, and we've got to bring more jobs to middle Georgia. Hopefully, we can get some relief on tuition for colleges. I know that the uh, Board of Regents just did approve a 2% hike. And 2% doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but to a lot of people, 2% is a lot. And uh, we've got to work on ways to keep this under control. As always, I thank you for your help and you reaching out to me and giving me time. And and I enjoy our discussions on topics and uh, of issues facing 
Georgia and Baldwin and Putnam counties. And I, of course, just appreciate you giving your time to speak directly to our radio audience through these interviews and keeping them abreast of the issues that uh, you face in Atlanta and also uh, just inviting them to the table through that invitation for conversation. Well, great. Thank you very much. And I look forward to doing some town hall meetings and meeting with some ministers and other citizens here in in our district and getting their ideas and their help on problems and solutions. And I'm always open to suggestions and reach out to me and be glad to sit down and, and discuss these issues and listen to people's opinion and their point of view. Thank you so much, Daniel, for having me today. No, it's my pleasure hosting you. And again, thank you for your time.